I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company, Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast, your bonus episode. And what does that mean, Chip? Ad free. There's no ads. Ad free is the way to be today. Just today. Way to be ad free. <laughs> did you try to do that rhyme right there? Yes, I did. Noise. Uh, so we do one episode a month that is ad free and is a bonus episode. As you all know, if you listen regularly, we usually release episodes on Tuesdays for see you next Tuesday. But once a month, we do an episode on Fridays ad-free. Now, why do we do this? Well, we love you and we have awesome speakers and why not? We want to share with you. And why do we have ads? Well, you know, we put a lot of time and energy into this and we love wine. So (laughs) we need sponsors. That's not the only thing. Buy equipment. You know, we have some overhead over here. Um, We have beloved sponsors and it's just wonderful to offer something for you all where there's no ads and we can dive right into the sexy things. This episode is with Tamika Wilder, straight out of Australia. I can't do an Australian accent. I'm not even going to try it. Me (laughs) neither. Not very good at it. We're here to talk about sex positive parenting and sex after kids. We'll even talk a little bit about uh, sex after kids for folks who are in open relationships or polyamorous. We've had some folks send us emails asking questions about that. How do I navigate this space? Uh, so let's dive right in. First of all, welcome Tamika. And second of all, who are you? Introduce Thank yourself. You. How did you get yeah. to where you are today? Oh my goodness. I barely know. But I, I, <laughs> I, I really think back. Thanks so much for having me. Lovely to be here chatting with you. I am in Melbourne, Australia. It is early in the morning. Um, <laughs> Born and raised here. My father's actually from Milwaukee, so I have lots of cousins and stuff in the States. But um, I'm a somatic sexologist or a somatic sex coach. And I suppose what that really means is I work with people's bodies to help them and their nervous systems come into a state of calm and presence so they can have better sex. Mm. Um, <clears throat> the somatic part is really just about being of and through the body the educational focus is around actually affecting our cells and our muscles and the proprioceptors and the breath and the that kind of thing so everything we ever learn is not just with words uh it's it's with the body we sit down we stand up we're laughing we're crying we're relating through the body so to to change we need to you know, have a focus in that regard so um it's lots of fun working you know with sexuality in that way because it's uh I mean I guess it's quite edgy for people to like teach their body new ways of being when it comes to their sex and sexuality and um so I'm very lucky to be able to do that um my background I started working with teenagers and young people actually when I was quite young myself so I've had a lot of time on the ground like youth work and social work and that kind of thing and um facilitating programs in high schools around the country and and abroad 
And I suppose what started happening was I was working with really at risk um, and challenging behaviours. And so I was like, I need more in my toolkit. I studied kinesiology and um, EFT tapping. So like Mm -hmm. meridian therapy and that kind of thing. And what started happening, I think all my life I've had a sign on my head that said, safe person to talk about really (laughs) gnarly stuff with (laughs) including sex and the deepest darkest you know desires so I'm that person that my whole life my inbox is just like hey Tamika do you think you could tell me about this and (laughs) hey Tamika I need advice and I was like there's something in this because then in Kinesi all of my clients were coming to me for um, sexual health issues and so yeah I knew I had to deepen my learning and understanding in that realm and um, yeah make myself sex specific Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that's hard for people to, to access. People don't know where to start. So they're like, I have so many questions or I don't understand my body or, you know, there's, and, and they're just, yes, there's a lot out there in information nowadays, but I want, I understand why people were coming to you more so for sex. And especially if you have that, I'm a safe person to talk about these, these things with is, um, that's, that's really big. Do you think that's like your energy or like your upbringing where you kind of raise more in like an open because actually we're transitioning to talking about parenting like what were your parents yeah <laughs> yeah 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 I think it's a combination actually because I definitely would not say I grew up in a sex positive household um there's like loads of shame and hiding and taboo actually inside of my home um but I I, I guess and there could be like a little trigger warning perhaps like at the beginning of this um because you know a lot of people have experienced abuse of, of sorts um but in my childhood I was um victim of childhood sex abuse um for with a very close family friend and I I do believe that if my household was more sex positive and there was less shame and hiding then that's something that wouldn't have been able to happen inside of my home mm-hmm. um and I, I think it was from that and then I went on a whole kind of path of really rediscovering my body really undoing trauma um you know that's part of what contributed to the sign on my head because mm-hmm. I had lived experience of actually how to go from completely disassociating from my body, completely disappearing, not understanding why the story is healed, and I'm in forgiveness. And you know, I'm like, oh, my my mentality is fine, but why, when I feel the beard, you know, someone's beard on my leg, do I still disappear out of my body? You know, mm-hmm. that is like the body's holding that memory and so it was my next chunk of work um you know and then studying sexological body work and tantra and that kind of thing helped like unpick um so yeah that's kind of contributes to the sign on my head I, mm-hmm. from where I came from then I was like what I was able to learn and move through I suppose which is brings us to the first question which is about sex positive parenting because you brought up a great point having mm-hmm. that safe space to talk about uh experiences that you're happening when you're a child and this kind of leads into what is sex positive parenting and why is it important and you nailed something okay. so crucial right there with your own experience but can you tell mm-hmm. our listeners can you talk a little bit more about that yeah i guess it's a thing that i often when i'm i'm working with parents i do encourage them to come to their very own meaning of what sex positivity is for them first and foremost because there's such a a spectrum so like anyone that we work with as you would know it's like some people are ready to you know approach a really small thing and they're like whoa that's so big for me and other people are like throw me in Mm -hmm. so it's the same with sex positive parenting like I think the parents need to decide based on their values like what do I want my home to feel like what are some of the gnarly kind of hidden and repressed aspects of my own sexuality that I know in these moments I'm putting 
front and centre with my kids. You know, I'm being reactive or I'm snapping or I'm saying a thing that feels like a lie or feels like, oh, this is uncomfy. Why am I doing that with my kids, you know? I think that's where sex positivity starts. It's deciding how you want your home to feel, what you want your kids to feel. Um, And the best reference point of that is looking back on your own childhood like I have and gone, what was something that I didn't really enjoy? And and how would I have loved my mum to talk to me? How would I have loved my dad to talk to me? Thinking about that as an adult and going, all right, how can I then create an environment where I'm doing that for my kids? That's how you create your ethos, your own ethos around sex positive households. Instead of me sitting here going, sex positivity is this, is this. And sure, there are some things, you know, around like language in terms of what we say and don't say if we, you know, see our children masturbating or those moments where the cousins come over and they're in the cupboard playing mums and dads and you're mm-hmm. like, eh, I'm pretty sure they're looking at each other's genitals. And like, <laughs> yeah. how do I feel about that? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, so we can get into some of that stuff too. But yeah, that's like my ethos around discovering what it is for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like that that you're in your reference to that question of what would I have liked more of or less of, you know, and and I think when, I mean it's a scary conversation, and it's not. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming I'm assuming you probably will say it's not just one conversation, right? It's like this ongoing conversation. A lot of people are educated, like you just have that one talk of the birds mm-hmm. and the bees, and you're done. And you're like, ah, uh, no, you're it's like throughout the uh, every day yeah yeah. as much as yeah as much as possible so I guess the next question would be how can parents build up confidence in talking about sex with their kids what does that look like totally um I do think that the first step is looking at your own shame and looking at what you have to work on inside of you first and foremost um and then also remembering like we are confident with our children when we're like you have to eat your broccoli we're confident that there are healthy things for them to to do and not do and say and not say. We want to embed manners into them and good nutrition and, and what have you. So it's the same with sex, like remembering that sex is not inherently bad. It's not inherently dirty. It's not inherently wrong or traumatic, actually. Mm. All it is is a natural function of our humanness. And when we have good contact with that, I think that that's what helps our confidence because we're like, oh, actually, I'm not saying anything bad or wrong or dirty or shameful to my kid. Ah, that's just my old conditioning. Hold on a sec. I think from that place, see it like you need to eat your broccoli, you need to eat your whatever, your milk. Um, You can do the the same with the language around sex, you know, Mm -hmm. and around self-pleasure and around your genitals and body image and sex positive. Like there's so many under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, and trialing things like we know when our children feel uncomfortable in a moment and reality is they feel comfortable when we're telling to, them to do things anyway mm-hmm. so they, there's going to be discomfort mm-hmm. and going all right there's going to be discomfort and can I lean into this and actually be the leader of this moment instead of like shrinking back as if I was a child too shrinking into my own insecurity and, and doubt mm-hmm. uh, they need my leadership just like everywhere else I, I like the the piece that you said. It seems like uh, the the part we've talked about this with some um, people we know about working through their own shame and it's like ancestral trauma or you know the way we we pass things down if we don't work on it ourselves yes. it just keeps on on going. Like I have some in various aspects, not necessarily around well, some around sex probably. Um, and I like that you're highlighting that as a as a really key piece. And I just wanted to ask, mm-hmm. so just for my own 
just to kind of reiterate something, because this is what I picked up from what you shared just a moment ago with that question was kind of normalizing is what I'm hearing the conversation around sex in your own home, making it like, hey, this is a checklist for the grocery store. And here's the checklist for your sexuality, your pleasure. This is what your, your bits are. And this is okay or normal instead of calling it a no, no, no. That's what I'm getting from it. Because for and me, it was always a no, 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 or close your eyes if there's yeah. something bad. Uh, on the TV. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the conversation is so. going to be uncomfortable. Like most likely yes. it's just in embracing that piece too. And is there That's an it. age like that, that, that should, and I don't want to should, right? Because I know it's different for everyone. Yeah. Is it when your kids come to you and kind of start asking about sex or is it something that, that it's like the parents can feel into based on their internet searches <laughs> or when, when does this start to come up as something yeah. that is important to take on? I think it starts as soon as ever. Um, I think it starts as soon as ever kids have language actually. Oh. So, you know, it's not like you sit them down and go, okay, this is sex. Are these your sex organs? But like there's a, that natural curiosity in life that arrives inside of our children that we see, you know, and um, especially for siblings, like let's say, for example, they're in the bath and they're like, oh, let me look at your butthole. Let me look at your penis. Like what's yours doing? That <laughs> is a moment where some parents would be like, get off, don't touch your brother, mm. move away. Just like, stop doing that. Not appropriate. And it's like, oh, that's weird, mum. It wasn't weird until you said that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't it sexual. Wasn't yeah. It wasn't sexual. Yeah. It was innocent. It was curious. It was, you know, I, my natural wonder. And you went ahead and placed the, the junk on top of that moment. So I think it's young. You know, they could be three and five years old when those types of things start happening. Um, and language, I, I suppose, I'm thinking more examples like with my sons, if they're watching something on TV, which they're not usually watching anything on TV, but if there's a, a moment where, say, me and my boyfriend will be like making out or like having a cuddle, they're naturally curious. They're like watching mm-hmm. and they're like, Are you two kissing? And they're like, <laughs> oh. yeah. You know, and, and he'll say like, why, why are you doing that? And he'll be like, because I love your mama. And, oh. uh, okay. You know. <laughs> Um, one of them or both of them actually found one of my dildos a couple of months ago. I was just next to my bed and they're like, what's this? And opened <laughs> the box and um, uh, it was one of those, the Enjoy Pure wand, you know. Oh, the yeah, I love it. Yeah. Beautiful, like, nice. Deal. Yeah. 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 And they're like, what's this? Um, and I was like, you know, have a look, have a play. And they're like, whoa, it's heavy. And just like throwing it around on the bed. And then um, I just noticed myself. I was like, well, there's nothing to do here. There's nothing to like snatch away. There's nothing to say, that's mummy's. Like, stop, don't do that. And he said, what is it for? And I said, it's for touching and pleasuring and loving my body all over mm-hmm. to create warmth and happiness in my body. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. They put it down and went downstairs. So <laughs> that's like, wasn't lying, but I didn't say, oh, I masturbate furiously with it. You know, mommy has a lot of orgasms <laughs> and has a glow after that. And this is how she's right? such a nice mommy. And this oh, is why I can cook your dinner without, you know, being mad at you. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's like, that's another piece. It's like, don't lie but like find the truth that is age appropriate, that is moment appropriate, that actually like makes sense to them and you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like there, there's some examples when um, I've been able to do that. I don't know. I can't remember if that was the question yeah. I was asking, but it was about age. Well, no, no, that was a great, that was a great way yeah. to, to express that though. That, your story yeah. reminds me, my friend came out and her toddler was chewing on her anal beads and she was like, oh, 
Ooh. Uh, not wow. sure I got that. She said they were clean, but she came out, she took a photo and she sent it to me because I was <laughs> dying. And I was like, well, they're medical grade silicone. So as long as you wash them, the key focus yeah. it, but that I was dying. Yeah. And yeah, so I think that's great. It is nor- it, making your kids feel comfortable and confident. And if you're not super affectionate, you're a single parent and don't have a partner in the house, you can still talk about what's happening on the TV if they are watching a show or because now with the internet, I didn't have that when I was growing up. I had my mom's Kama Sutra bro- book, but you yeah. broke into that. Yeah. I broke into that, <laughs> but or like my dad's penthouse when I was four, you know, <laughs> but so I didn't really know that was bad. Yeah. Yeah. They, they see things and they get things, they get messages all the time. So whether we ignore it or approach it, they're still getting a message and we may as well put something lovely next to the message or something mm-hmm. affirming or safe next to the message rather than going, Oh, I'm just going to wait till they get to school or like lock up and don't say anything, you know? Oh, yeah. so I think some parents think that when you're not saying much, it's kind of like, Oh, they'll get it from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I don't want to, like wreck them by saying anything it's like you're wrecking them anyway and and we're all wrecking everyone anyway let's just that's another podcast but yeah if you don't have a conversation they're going to go get it from porn Uh, and the internet and that is not great examples of what or the kid down the street that's like guess what i do yeah you want to see something weird (laughs) you're like (laughs) what would you say so earlier when you're talking about the example of um or like you know because kids also they're curious but there's all they do also experience pleasure you know instead of being yeah. like rubbing their genitals on something april mm. it talks about rubbing her like needing to hump her her toy bear when she was a kid yeah. um, and a lot of parents they so there's curiosity and there's also like kids desire to explore pleasure what would you say to a parent that just for the first time has seen their you know four or five year old starting to touch their genitals or like rub rub their genitals on the stuffed animal and um, what would be your advice on how to handle that in a sex positive way Mm. I would say firstly, if they're in, um, if it feels like they're in an appropriate place in the home, so like there's no guests around and they're just in their own beautiful bubble of like enjoyment, just to leave them alone. Mm-hmm. That's my first thing. Like just let them have their mm-hmm. experience. Um, some people are like, I have more of a problem with it if there's people over or, you know, she's doing it in the general store or something. Um, so words of affirmation during the act, like during that pleasure, like I can see, sweetheart, that you're having a, such a lovely time with your body. I love you so much. I'm going to ask you do that in your bedroom or uh, mommy does that too, but I do it in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. So let's do, you know, do it when you get back home. I love, I love you. that. That's good. Oh, that made me so That's happy. Simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Like, oh my God. That brought so much yeah. joy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh. putting like lovely language next to it. Mm-hmm. instead yeah. of like hitting a hand away you know you yeah. say deliver the message of responsibility which is we don't do this here but deliver a bit of like good juju at the same time mm-hmm. that's really good advice uh switching gears is it okay if we switch gears a little bit because yeah. some of what we get from from a lot of our listeners are about after you have kids having your own sexual experiences and still having them be uh having an active sex life, either with your partner, if you're single or however that works. So sex after having kids, how can Mm -hmm. couples or parents, let's say, keep the intimacy alive after they've had kids, especially because they become so low on time and it's quarantine Mm -hmm. slash shelter in places. So we would love (laughs) to hear what you have to say on that. Mm, Yes. Um, A couple of pieces come to mind. And the first one that I'll briefly mention is just like the acknowledgement of how much a woman's body 
changes after like pushing out a baby, whether vaginally or C-section, like the changes in the pelvic floor, in the pelvis, in the muscles, in the uterus, the bladder, everything. Like, I just think that that needs to be acknowledged first and foremost, and way more often. Like we women put pressure on themselves to like get back on the horse so to speak Mm -hmm. and it's like babe can we just take a breath for a second about the changes in your pelvis so just love for listeners to have that drop for a second like it's okay that you're not actually going to be exactly the same and with some a little good chunk of work like you might even be better Mm -hmm. which is what I've found with my pelvic floor so that's the first thing um, and to take care of that, like go to the osteo, go to the myo, go to your physio, like do the things that your pelvic floor needs to actually properly heal before you start putting pressure on yourself to feel a deep sense of aliveness down there. <clears throat> um, as ter- in terms of the relational bit, um, the first thing that that I think is super important is communication. And I know you've probably like, this is a, an answer to so many questions when it comes to sex. But I, I think that what happens in terms of inside of long-term relationships um, is that we get so comfortable with each other's identities and like, you do this, you don't do that. I like this. You don't like that. We have these like scripts and these rules that we, um, you know, after 15 or 10 years together and two kids, you think that they're just going to be like that forever. So to come home to one another and like do a deep reintroduction mm-hmm. and communicate like this is who I am now and part of this is I actually am not sure what I enjoy sexually anymore. This is who I am and part of that is that I really would love for us to connect in this way three times a week. This is who I am and I don't really know how I want to connect with you because actually at the moment, most of the time when you put a hand on my body, like I feel deeply irritated, mm-hmm. right? Like someone listening create. right now is like, yeah. Trigger. like yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like absolutely. But, but this happens <laughs> totally. It totally does. Yeah, it's a hard conversation, but yeah. yeah. Yes. So, but without saying anything, you just like ships in the night, or you're just full of resentment, looking at each other like you're not instigating, mm, you're not instigating, you're not approaching me. Fuck you, you're not approaching me. And the resentment, on, the resentment, and you go on like that for three years, you know. And mm-hmm. so you just need to talk first. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's one thing two things yeah I could keep going like well, I, <laughs> I thought of what um Emily Morse says on sex with Emily and she's which says communication is lubrication lubrication yeah, yeah which mm-hmm. is in it's you know it comes first before all things and a lot of folks aren't necessarily doing but you're talking about really having those com- tough conversations that so things have changed you know we had kids now my body's changed or my desires change or just and yeah. let's be honest you don't have to have kids for things to change things are always changing totally. um, yeah. and this is actually one of the issues in long-term relationships even if you don't have kids they stop getting curious about each other and or they forget that things are constantly changing then they get kind of stuck on that way why it's not what it was five years ago because it's or you not don't have the ago. energy well, though too. Yeah. yeah yeah so I think there's like accepting that yeah. piece so that yeah yeah here's change and I love how you said that here's who I am today and I and mm. I think this this is you probably were uh insinuating this that this is an ongoing conversation like I know people who do relationship mm-hmm. check-ins when you know, once a month we're like all right, where are we at now? Um, because it's not like same thing with the, having the birds and the bees conversation with your kids. It's not just one conversation. It just keeps yeah. on going. Um, yeah. So I, I love that piece. And then, so, so I guess, so when people are feeling, what are you, what are your thoughts on scheduling time? This is, there's, yeah. there's, this is a mixed bag for people like, Oh, it's not sexy. But I would yeah. imagine when you're low on time, 
you have one or more kids, you have these little windows here. It's either like, well, I guess spontaneous, the window is here. So we go for it, but like, uh, and whatever yeah. it is, um, or do yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm into scheduling. Like it's something that I recommend because when we attach so deeply to spontaneity, I think it's just part of, it's a myth. Like it's, it's actual bullshit inside mm-hmm. of long-term relationships with kids. Like we want to fall into the Hollywood like makeout session when, oh, you know, the kids are asleep. It's no, 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 no. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a big advocate for for scheduling. We schedule everything else, anything that we want to experience inside of our week, our month or our year, we plan. So why on earth do we think that this function should be any different? just because we're humans and it is a natural function yes but actually the way that our sexuality arises in moments inside of our bedroom is not supernatural anymore like it feels really natural when you're in limerence when you first like met one another right mm-hmm. and you're like ah there's that magnetism that's probably the most spontaneous it's ever going to get like beyond that we need to recreate and like change the narrative around how we approach one another mm-hmm. if we decide that we're going to spend our lives with these people then we need to not be super attached to things like I need it to be spontaneous and it's not sexy if it's not like that's a bullshit story I think mm-hmm. that you're just like wrecking yourself with yeah kids <laughs> aside, kids aside kids, I agree yeah. yeah like whether you have kids yes. or not I've worked yes. with people before where one or both the partners they were timing was issue they didn't even have kids they're busy at work and they one was so opposed to scheduling people get so caught up in the shoulds of how relationships should be I'm guilty of that actually and and thinking like after I went through a divorce that my new relationship my new partnership should be these things because I'm this mature and I'm like I'm I'm like, what the fuck am I doing to myself? I'm boxing myself and kids aside, mm. my partner has three kids, right? And that does have an effect on the, mm. how we can connect. Um, even though they're, they're, they're older, uh, it still is significant. And so the should, I think, is, is letting go of that as a huge piece mm. that is important and creating your own rules, which is what we talk about and, and having the conversations that sometimes, as you mentioned to me, aren't easy to have all the time, mm. but yeah. letting go of like the bullshit of like, hey, the spontaneity is gone. And one other thing I like yeah. about scheduling is what uh, Lee, our friend Lisa, who was a guest on our show, she said they are and a partner. They're like super sexy. They're like, she's like 60 and it found the, you know, the second love of her life and they have amazing sex mm-hmm. all the time. I think I've heard them before. And, um, and she says that they schedule sacred intimacy nights. I'll take the word sacred out. It's a little wooey for people. Just intimacy nights, date night. Um, and it doesn't mean penetration. You go mm-hmm. in with this open mind and say, where are we at in this moment? Like, okay, to yeah. find this moment, I want to cuddle. I want to make out or I want to just like hold your hand or let's just go for a walk and watch the sunset and see what happens instead of, so it still is you, it still is all about intimacy and connection and sex, but sex, you broaden the the definition of sex and you don't give that up. You're not like, oh, I have a headache. I just want to watch my show. You know, like, no, this is important as part of the the connection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She said that. I was like, Mm, I don't like all. I like certain goals, but like goal, having the goal of like must have penis in vagina or, you know, whatever, my pussy on your pussy. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Super important to get that off. And it reminds me of like these moments often inside couples work is like that they have a different um, relationship with what intimacy is actually. So someone's like, oh, I thought intimacy is when we could hold hands on the couch and have a cup of tea and chat. 
And then someone else is using the word intimacy for like, oh, I thought that was penetrative sex for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And it's like, whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> so, now we're talking about that. a bit different. <laughs> that's, that's what you meant when you said I'm never intimate. Yeah. I, I was. Oh. I hold your hand all the time. Yeah. What are you talking about? No, I want you inside of me. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, that's cute. So. I have a question because we actually have never talked about this in the show and you work with polyamorous parents. And so I guess there's probably a, a, I'm I'm assuming, and I, and I won't try to assume and project, but I'm assuming there'd be a lot of challenges for poly parents and um, also for folks that are swingers or open, et cetera. So can you talk about maybe some of those challenges and maybe some solutions for those folks out there? Sure, sure, sure. Um, There are, so firstly, I don't work with lots of polyamorous oh, parents sorry. because um, it's actually a huge, well, at least in our culture here in Australia, having children is a really big barrier to entry for open relating. Oh. So a lot too, of, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like, I, yeah, maybe everywhere, but it's like, oh, I don't know how, how you could do that with kids. It's like, oh, I'd love to open up my marriage, but oh, we have kids. It's like, mm, okay, that's... So we can work at that point in like helping kind of unlock what, again, what you subscribe to and surrendering to inside of your beliefs and inside the culture that says that you're not allowed to do a thing. Anyhow, um, so it's probably mostly about my experience, I suppose. Like, um, so I have two boys, three and six, uh, almost four and six, and um, a partner of 10 years and um, a boyfriend of two years, two and a half years. and wow it's kind of exhausting actually and the most amazing flavor of magic that you know I've ever been bold enough to like really opt into with my whole soul and mind and intellect Mm -hmm. um dealing with things like our attachment styles our love languages communication obviously and full transparency with the boys that I guess has been they're the foundations of what we're able to continue to choose every day every week um the biggest pieces I think are looking after everybody's needs so constant check-ins constant conversations pulse checks um yeah, it's like what we kind of lead with or what I lead with day to day. Imagine scheduling um, is important too. <laughs> scheduling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, the time um breaking up the time between mm-hmm. my four boys is mm-hmm. yeah. pretty big deal. Um I think it's yeah. beautiful though yeah. for I mean so for yeah, I just love the mod. Yeah, and I'm not saying I, everyone is a polyamorous or a swinger or any of that stuff at all. You know, to each their own. I think it's beautiful. I'll just generalize this: when young people see um, complete transparency uh, and, and role models who are showing love and all the formations that it can come in, and that the diversity yes. of love and that it's about honesty and respect, and, and because most kids in you know, whether it's in a a lot of monogamous households, they don't get that. They don't, they still don't get that. So there's something, or, you know, people who are getting a divorce and it's, they have anger and they're hurt about Mm -hmm. it, but they're actually modeling that now just, they still love each other perhaps. And that this love has just transformed and transitioned and you don't have to just exile this person from your life. I mean, again, so yes, yeah, it's power. It's a powerful message. So how are your, your boys and witnessing that? How do you think it's affected them? 
They're great. I feel like it was very important for me to not um, sell the image of like, this is what a successful home looks like. This is perfect. Yeah, there's a mom and a dad and, you know, two kids and you might have a dog and you live in a house and there's two cars. <laughs> like, no, that was never, ever going to be what I wanted to model. And I'm like, actually, what I, again, back to my values and what I believe to be true about the world and love and life is that we, there is, is many, you know, many different types of love many structures many ways that we can like be in this culture together like in our street we have a family with two dads and a kid we have a family with two mums and two kids um and we're over here in, in the poly house and you know it's like cool this is <laughs> look at it all mm-hmm. and so I think that they really benefit from having different um versions of like the data archetype you know like one of my partners is an artist and he's a musician and he's very like quiet and creative in a dreamer the other one is very practical he builds things he's skateboarding and mm-hmm. you know with the hands and cooking and I'm like wow there are two amazing versions of um you know the man in inverted commas like uh <laughs> that they can see and they do really really well really well and it just has like more love too. There's like more, more, there's love. more love there. Like, yeah, you have like, you know, two parents, but now you have like other partners, boyfriends, girlfriends, like, oh, more love, more love. Like to bring more on love. all the love. That's Why not? Right. <laughs> like my boyfriend might take the boys. So me and my partner can have some time together or, you know, I'll take the boys. And so the two dads, I, they, I mean, I shouldn't call them both dads. Like mm-hmm. Jordan, my boyfriend <laughs> is not the boy's dad, but mm-hmm. you know, so they can hang out together and we all kind of um, take care of them. Hmm. that Hmm. also goes back to i mean it takes a village scenario right yeah that's like how powerful is that to have all of these humans that are showing your children love and i i think it's a huge it's a massive positive you get all of these people and i'm sure it's similar in australia but i can talk about in the u.s that feel so isolated in parenting and and they feel alone they don't have any support it's only like the babysitter or the daycare and then it's 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 exhausting and they're on their own so i think that's very powerful thing to navigate uh, of course to have this possibility when a lot of people are as you mentioned are closed off to the idea probably because it sounds uh it, it sounds so I don't want to say new agey, but it's not something that's traditionally supported, right? And if we that's can shift it, yeah. those those paradigms in people's brains, I think that would be helpful. Do you have any, I guess, mm. you gave some great tips already, but for folks out there that want to, perhaps it's been on their mind, they're in agreement, there's you know a couple of parents that are wanting to open things up or maybe reach a polyamorous state where it's um very organized and scheduled as amy loves to say yeah um do you have any tips for how folks should go about navigating um this Mm. after kids yeah i think the first tip is you need to get help you need to actually get a professional third person to sit with you in a um, counseling capacity and actually help you open up your thing Mm -hmm. um the emotional um, I don't know if emotional is the word, but the work that it takes to actually crack your brain open and like change um, the way we've been conditioned, you need like someone else in there with you. That's like a piece of advice. Um, the other thing is go slow. Just like break off little chunks. 
if you get to the point where you both feel really safe and comfy that like, okay, cool, we can try and open this thing up. It might be like you set your structures and your agreements and your boundaries really solidly. And you go, we're going to sit at this for three months where, for example, you know, you can go on, we go on dates with another person that doesn't include like really sex, you know, sex. It doesn't include, you know, you can list the things that whatever you feel safe and comfy in and do that for three months. Like go slow is my other piece. Um, <clears throat> and oh, something else popped in my, to my head before. Get help, go slow. And the honesty seemed like a big part of it too. Transparency, honesty. Transparency. Yeah. 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 But what I find is that people actually need a third person to help you get to that version of honesty because we show up with our wounds in front of one another. Like, Oh, you really want to be with her. Don't you? You do. Mm -hmm. You fucking do. Mm -hmm. And it's ill. Like no one's going to feel safe to say yes. When we're talking like that to our partners, (laughs) but with the counselor or a third person, it's like, all right, you might, you'll list your values together. You'll list your desires. You'll list your, your ideals. And, um, it really, it's possible if you're willing to do the personal work to like shed your layers and come into a new version of self, you know, don't attach to who you've been. There's a level of newness that's available just on the other side of some bravery and some courage to go, actually, this is what I want. This is my life, yeah. you know? It's like there's a, so much more aliveness over there when you actually make those choices and it's a journey to do that work. And yeah. on that note, we said about getting, hiring someone, like a mediator almost. Um, well, I was going to say not yeah. all therapists or coaches are comfortable talking about sexuality or specifically yeah. open relationships, poly relationships, kink relationships. So find someone, you probably like with the work that you do, right? Someone yeah. who that's something they like, they're comfortable talking about and they'll have that either in their bio or you can do a consultation with them. Because totally. um, it's, I know people that have, they were seeking that out and they felt like the therapist was judging them. Mm. So to really just know that not everyone, I think, what is it, traditional uh, therapy, the the um After. the master's degree training you have to do only 10 hours of sex education like the family and, and yeah like marriage. a marriage and family therapy yes. something like that and I, I, I might this might be incorrect but i believe it's very small and so that means that mm. you go and you start talking about your kinks or like my you know my two boyfriends and they're like huh you know they and they bring mm. in their own biases so yes. really to do your work or work with someone like tamika here which brings me to how can people work with you <laughs> and find you what do you have coming going on <laughs> yeah like you can find me on um on facebook i'm at neosoma sex coach and um, spell that out what is that again yeah neosoma n-e-o soma s-o-m-a sex coach yeah neosoma sex coach and um i have a group for where i'm working with mums so um and i suppose like it's not mums exclusively it's like the kind of you know the mum archetype lives in all of us really so there are there are some girls who who don't have kids that do arrive with me in that group and they're really connected to their nurturer and they know that maybe they want to start thinking about having kids and that kind of thing. So um, there's a group and it's called um, Mama Eros, M-A-M-A-E-R-O-S. Um, and we'll put the link with this as well. And so you can jump in there and I do um, coaching in there, like live coaching and trainings and we do a book club and it's really helping mums um, take the, the first steps back into their sexuality after birthing babies. We should have um, heard touch with, with Brianna with her podcast. Yeah. We'll try to link you. Sorry. I don't think we're supposed to say her name. Oh, really? I don't know. But her name's on the podcast. Well, there you go. I mean, well, postpartum <laughs> stories. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that would be a great thing to have yeah. you talk to one of my 
closest friends about like she has a wonderful podcast about postpartum stories mm-hmm. yeah um, beautiful. so yeah you would be a great contact for her and yeah yeah I think that you what you're doing is incredible Tamika yeah. and I really hope that your two little boys know how amazing their mama is and mm-hmm. it seems like uh they've got really good guide on their journey of life mm-hmm. as I yes yeah, thank you yeah That's very nice and thank you for t- like sharing your wisdom and your work I with us it. and our listeners I know they're gonna love this you cracked open some some things that we haven't touched on yet so this was really really great and I love your delivery and your advice is wonderful so uh, I'm not a parent but I appreciate it. my dog you know maybe I can be a dog mom and have totally. all of those things <laughs> Yeah, just that Take, mom ish. So, yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. Mom ish, yeah. Yeah, we're all in community with children somewhere. Aunties, uncles, yeah. caregivers, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. auntie for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. we hope that you have a beautiful you. tomorrow because you're in our tomorrow <laughs> right now. Future. You're Crazy, in the future. Huh? Yes. And yes. We to all of our listeners out there, thank you for joining Tamika and Amy and myself for this bonus ad-free episode. So I'm not going to tell you what to do or or links to click other than go check out Tamika's uh, her link that will be on our website as well. And I will ask you though, five stars on iTunes because we love you. I read them. Amy reads them. Sometimes we laugh sometimes we cry sometimes we make funny videos sometimes we make funny videos so check out our instagram if you haven't but we love each and every one of you shameless sex revolutionaries we'll see you next tuesday and occasionally on friday ciao for now don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more and for 15 percent off of some of our favorite sex toys use coupon code shamelesspp in all caps at purepleasureshop.com